This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 280, sweetie. All right. You good with that? Mm-hmm. On today's show, we're going to be doing some promoting of some awesome businesses that we're part of. That's that's what we're going to do on the show today? It's one of the things. That doesn't sound too fun, though, really. It is fun because they're all resources that our listeners will adore. So what are we doing? We're promoting... Yeah, we're HGNA, our awesome oh. Zen Gets Real co- Oh, for sure. Partners. We're going to do that, but that's not what our topic is on no, the show today. No, that was the first thing that I decided to talk about. I love our partners. And actually, we're also going to promote our, our Friday show, Dan Martinez. Yes, it's a good show. Uh, so good. I know. Uh, so we have a show coming up on uh, this Friday. For those of you guys who listen... As we release them, uh, it's coming up. It's really good. Dan Martinez is a good friend of mine. He's a psychiatrist. He's partnering with us for Zen Parenting Conference or Zen Gets Real Conference. Zen Gets Real And when we, what do we talk to him about? Anxiety? And ADHD. And ADHD. Mm-hmm. And he's just a wonderful, he's an amazing doctor and a better human being. Yes. Lovely man. Um, but our main focus is going to be what, sweetheart? Um, the spiritual ego. The spiritual ego, that sounds like a paradox or an oxymoron. Well, Because if you're spiritual, you have no ego. If you have an ego, you don't know what spirituality is. It can be a bit of a trap um, that I think many fall into. Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation because you just said it 20 minutes ago, and I don't think either one of us know where we're going to go with it. No, but I think it's very important to discuss because it's got some. we all have spiritual ego, it, you know, in, in one way or another. Um, in one extreme or another or volume. Well, there's some people who are in the actual business of talking about spirituality. Like I consider um, what we talk about more about practicing being the best human being you can be in relationships. But the truth is there's a lot of spiritual um, information there's that, a, that a we're business. sharing. Yeah. And yet we're a business. We are a business. And that is, that's, Got, that is something that I am very conscious of. And then we're also going to talk about gurus a little bit, right? Yeah. Basically, anybody who's in the world of spiritual um, yeah. uh, in, I'm enlightenment. I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes as we talk. Sweetie. Okay. Um, because sometimes people take advantage of their position. Yes. And sometimes people don't recognize that they're teaching something they're not doing. Yes. And that, to me, is one of those big red flags and something that I'm, I'm highly conscious of. Partly because it's my work, and the other part because I've had times where I've had spiritual ego. Um, and so I kind of know how you can – that's why I'm saying it's a trap because sometimes you think, oh, I, well, we'll talk about it after you're done with the first thing. Our first partner is John J. Kelly. Correct. We were just there today. We were just there today. Thank you, Dr. Kelly. I have for, very clean teeth. Yes, so do I. And do you like it the way your teeth feel after you get a cleaning? You know what happens after I get a cleaning? I have holes between all my teeth. Yeah. Because and I so I do because like the it. gunk's not in there. <laughs> right. I think it's called gunk. I think it's called tartar. That's a technical term. Uh, but we just went there and he cleaned all five of our teeth. But he also has uh, different things. He does teeth whitening, performance mouth guards, and many other things. So I encourage you to go to our amazing partner's website, chicagodentistonline.com. Yes. So let's talk about the spiritual guru. Oh, I thought you wanted to talk about our partners. What I want to do, actually, is play this little clip from our for our Friday show. Okay. So um, so this is for our Friday show coming up. This is Dr. Dan Martinez. Um, he, he's a psychiatrist. He's a psychiatrist friend of ours, and he also lives in Elmhurst. Yeah, good buddy. So we'll play about a minute of Okay, it. go ahead. Uh, my, all my medicine focuses on the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the stigma really comes into play 
from the perspective that, oh, boy, I'm getting mental health. I must be crazy or there must be something wrong with me. Right. And I tell individuals, uh, you know, seeing a psychiatrist is could be as easy as putting on a pair of glasses every morning. The glasses allow me to see the world uh, as an adult. I can get onto the expressway without f- the fear of crashing. Yeah. Some kids need medicines so that they don't crash throughout their day. Because when they're not taking their medicines, they they can be crashing, you know, into multiple things all throughout the day. Of course, as a great psychiatrist, I tell individuals, medicine is always the treatment of last resort. Mm-hmm. My philosophy is always the least amount of medicine, please. How many of your colleagues would take that same philosophy? A hundred percent, otherwise they wouldn't be my colleagues. Oh, uh, wow. Good what way great, to say it. It's a great answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's why I was so... All right. That was Dar- Dr. Dan. That was Dr. Dan Martinez, yes. Um, and it's a good 45-minute conversation we have with him, and it's silly and funny and informative. And, and important. And so basically, if you have a child um, or you deal with anxiety or ADHD um, and you're wondering about you know, the difference between psychiatry or what a therapist does or what the possible um, uh, therapies are, um, this is a good show to listen to. It is. Um, spiritual guru, sweetie. Okay, so not spiritual guru, spiritual um, ego. Ego, and the reason I wanted to talk about it is I um, I was with my friend Annie last week, and we had um, we had coffee, and we always end up talking about this in one form or the other because we do very similar things, and we've had very similar experiences, and that sometimes when you get into this world of talking about spirituality or talking about enlightenment or being your best self, um, there becomes a feeling of specialness that you somehow have answers that other people don't and that you're somehow – better than other people because you no have more. yeah you have things that they want you you have the answers and so you somehow have this feeling of specialness and i think all of us have felt that way in our lives before where you feel like you have information or something to give and so you feel special there's nothing inherently wrong about that where it becomes difficult is when you aren't aware of that you feel that way mm-hmm. and then you start to really believe that you have or are something that other people are not. Yes. You start to become judgmental about what how other people live. Maybe you start to give unsolicited advice. Mm-hmm. Um, so this could be someone who's in the profession or just like, what are they called, armchair professionals, you know, where they start to... I'm very guilty of that. Yes. I love to give advice about a book I just read. You know, I'm right. always more anxious to give that. And I think through this conversation, you'll share there's moments of your life where you feel like... You're trying to, you know. Well, I th- what I think it is is it's not about you either are or aren't. I think it's a a practice, again, of self-awareness where you have to recognize when you're going down that slippery slope because there's no way to be a teacher and to not at times feel like I have something to share with these people. Of right. course you do. That's why you're in the profession that you're in. But I think you have to also be conscious of when you're just, you know, I was going to say tooting your own horn. Is that right? Sure. Tooting your own horn versus really helping and supporting people because there are lots of teachers who like to keep their students in the same place so then they the teacher can continue to feel really valuable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I do. Well, it's kind of like we just had Dr. Kenji, the... Yes. And he was talking about like the, the halfway houses for heroin. The methadone clinics. The methadone clinics. Yeah. And they um, keep them on it long enough 
they're, they're not titrating it right. to allow them to get off of it. They're basically keeping them on it because like then it keeps them me. there. Right. right. And that's and that and that's what I mean, you know, like when I first wanted to talk about spiritual ego, because I'm in this world of working with a lot of people who do a similar thing that you and I do, I've seen the best and the worst. I am connected and am friends with people who walk the walk in the most significant way that they inspire me. And a lot of those people we've had on the show. Yeah. That's why we have them on the show because they're not like, you got to get me on the show. We're like, you do this in your everyday life. Will you come talk? Sure. Yeah. You know, they're not They're not about I need to be more famous. It's about, sure, you know, they, we watch them in their lives mm-hmm. and they are not – they are – preaching a message that they're practicing in their everyday life. I have also experienced the worst, even with some of my favorite and best and teachers, maybe authors I like, where when I finally got the chance to meet them or be with them, it's not quite what I expected. Right. And I recognized that they had a spiritual ego and that it didn't mean that their information was invaluable or that I threw their book away. It just meant that they had lost the message they were giving. Um, oftentimes you can think about this as um, uh, over-intellectualizing their spirituality and their message, meaning they're very focused on the words and the quotes, but they're not getting to the deeper meaning mm-hmm. of what those words and quotes mean. Well, I feel like that's what, you know, I made fun of myself a few minutes ago. The one thing I will say that I think I'm good at is I like to dumb it down, make, use very basic language. Yeah. And I think what you're saying is sometimes they make things more complicated than their work just to keep the the student guessing. I don't well, know. let's. it's interesting because I wanted to connect this to a bunch of different things. Okay, as we mentioned a few weeks ago, Todd and I went to see The Big Short. Yeah. What does the financial industry do to maintain their status of being the ones who know everything? They, make it complicated. They make it difficult because then it keeps us at the mercy of their yeah. – their you know knowledge um todd and i just yesterday went to see spotlight yeah and uh i highly recommend you see spotlight um it was very enlightening for even though i knew the story already it's a very important it's film. a very important movie and it's kind of a similar thing a power that just wants to maintain power versus practicing what the message is that that they are that they started that with. they started with so we can take that into our everyday lives. We can take that into our relationship. Are we asking, you know, are we reading lots of books and saying my partner needs to be this way and my partner needs to say this or do this because I use this kind of jargon and I use this kind of language, yet we're really just using the language. We're yeah. not living the truth You're of not the language. Integrating it into right. your day-to-day beliefs, behaviors, actions. Like, let me give you an example just to kind of make it like just to give a um, make it easy, make it easy. So, you know what namaste means, right? The light in me sees the light in you. Namaste. Exactly. The light in me sees the light in you. The essence of me sees the essence of you. The force in me sees the force in you. Um, It basically is the soul in me Mm -hmm. can see your soul. Yeah. A lot of people and, you know, I'm I'm. In the world of yoga, I'm a teacher and a and a student, and obviously yoga t- teachers use namaste all the time, so that's where I hear that. But I also hear a lot of other people using it, and and it's a really um, it's a really big thing to say. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't mean you, people can't use it or that they're not allowed. What I mean is when you say namaste to someone, you're saying I see the essence of who you are. Yeah, it's a pretty provoking, 
deep. It's a deep thing. That's why it's so good. Exactly. And I'll tell you, my experience with the word namaste is I, I started listening. I started hearing it whenever I went to yoga, you know. And when I first started yoga, I felt like I did not. This is going to sound weird, and people are going to think I'm crazy, but I didn't feel like I earned the right to use that myself because I didn't quite understand it and I right. didn't integrate it. So it took me years to either say that to somebody or maybe I'm sending an email instead of saying love or talk to you soon, I'd say namaste. Right. And then finally get to the point where I'm like, okay, now I feel like I have given myself permission to use it because I truly do believe I know what it means. Absolutely, and you can feel it. Yes. And that's the thing. In no way, you guys, am I saying only certain people can use that word. That would be spiritual ego. Yes. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm saying. But the the other side of it is understand what language you're using and if you're using that language, for what purpose? Is it to – or let's just talk about um, – you know, going to a yoga class, there's lots of people who have a belief system that if, if you do yoga, you look a certain way, you wear certain clothes, it's a certain brand, you know, you have certain tattoos. There's all this kind of like, um, what I'll, is Let me make it easy. Okay. I used to think because in, in yoga, they talk about taking your practice off the mat right. and mindfulness and non-judgment. Right. And then I realized very quickly these yoga teachers, God bless them. Don't say these yoga teachers. There are some yoga teachers. There are some yoga teachers who have just as big of an ego. Absolutely. Even though when they're practicing, they carry themselves as if they don't. Right. And I'm like, something doesn't match up. And there have been very famous yoga yes. gurus. Well, my uh, the the type of yoga I was trained in uh, five or six years ago, it's called Anusara Yoga. And um, the teacher who started it, his name was John Friend. And when I, a couple years after I'd finished training, he got totally booted out because he was having affairs with students and he was having affairs with one of the people on his staff. It was a huge deal. It was a huge element of exclusivity, like his way is the only, only way. way. He wasn't allowing his practitioners to make any changes or they had to put his name on it. The, even before that news broke, there was already a lot of commentary around the potential spiritual ego that had grown uh, yeah. too big, where it had become more like you do it the way I say or yeah. else you're not involved. And that's exactly exactly what I'm talking about. That's what I mean about it. I've had lots of experiences in my life where I've had certain teachers who have been really helpful and I've had certain teachers who have been harmful yeah. and some who have been helpful and harmful, yeah. you know, like, and I have found that all those experiences have helped me understand the kind of teacher I want to be. And the kind of teacher I want to be is the person who says, go do it your way, you're okay. Yeah. And if you need more support than that, meaning if you need, you know, information or some intellectualizing of things, I will offer that and I will be there. And that's what we do on this show. We illuminate questions, yeah. right? We illuminate, you know, a, a new way of looking at things. I love that. But I would never come to someone and say, you need to do this or and only this or else you're doing it wrong. Because what the hell do I know yeah. about this person? Yeah. And I think that that is the gift of having people around you who have spiritual egos, you recognize what that looks like. Well, and the metaphor I use, and I've used it on this show before, is the idea of in your own life, you are the president of your own life. And 
every teacher around you is like a cabinet member. Yes. Where so, where did you get this? I, I At Bacon? I don't remember. This is great. I remember this. Yes. Right. So I've talked many times about my love for Eckhart Tolle and uh, the book A New Earth. I've been talking about Tony Robbins the last six months. I've been talking about my sweetie. Sweetie's a cabinet member of mine. Yes. So their books, their people, their videos, their everything. The idea is to equip yourself with the strongest cabinet around you. And maybe this podcast is one of your cabinet members. Right. But in the end, all Kathy and I want for anybody who's listening to forget everything that everybody said and trust your gut. That's right. Now, or, now we may influence your gut, but don't ever do anything because we said to do it or this book said to do it or your mom said to do it. Trust your gut. And if and when you make a mistake, you learn from it. But don't ever do it because an outside person or entity tells you to. Unless it somehow resonates, like you said, with the gut where you're like, this feels right and thank you for the information. But as we've said a million times on this show, I think – if something we say resonates with you, it's because you already knew. Yes. It's not because Todd and I created some new... This this stuff we talk about on this show... Teaching you what you already know. It's been around forever. Yeah. I mean, this is before... It's, it's universal stuff. I mean, it's been around since the beginning of time. When anyone says, oh, I created this, or this is my you know belief system, they may have changed some language and have made it more accessible to certain people, and I give them full credit for that. Yeah. You know, these are the books I read. Mm -hmm. You know, I give people full credit, credit for like simplifying something or processing something in a certain way where we can see it differently or taking research and making it more accessible. Full credit, but it's not new. Yeah, the message that is that we're talking about now in the last 280 of these podcasts are the same message that people were talking about 4,000 years ago. Absolutely. Now, it's weird because like, but it, it in the spiritual, um, I don't know, world, there really is nothing new. I don't no. think, but like in science, there is like nuclear fission probably w didn't happen a hundred years ago. And then some smart scientists figured out how to split the atom, but like that's new. But what I believe is that comes off of a universal belief that whatever you can imagine can be created in this world of dream. Right. And I say this world of dream, not in the most literal way, but that we are creators. Like anything's possible. We are here in this universe at this place and time to create. Right. And create means many different things. And so anything is possible. So really, when we understand what Lao Tzu talks about or what Rumi's talking about or um, what Jesus Christ was talking about, what Buddha was talking about, it's all – it's like this message that really is about – Peace, mm -hmm. um, compassion, connection, oneness, and taking care of recognizing yourself. So you can, this is what namaste is. I recognize myself, therefore I can recognize you. Yeah. It's like in Avatar when they say, Avatar is such an old movie, but I have to use it as an example because I love it. In the movie Avatar, all the blue people, what are they called? I don't know. But it's funny because that is such an amazing movie, but we've never watched it a second time. And I think it's because it's a really heavy it's long. three hour, but so is Titanic, but we've seen that a million times. I know, that's because Cameron loves it though. No, I think people have rewatched Titanic a lot more than they've rewatched it. Because of Leonardo DiCaprio. Jack? It's because of Celine Dion. Wait, but let me finish this thought about uh, the blue people. Okay. What do they say when they see each other, when they like pass by each other? Do you remember? I, no, I got no clue. They say, I see you. That's how they that's how they recognize each other. I see you like, really? in, you know, instead of good morning or, you know, 
goodbye or hello, they say, I see you. Oh, okay. And basically what that means is exactly what we're talking about here. I recognize myself, therefore I recognize that you are just as valuable as I am. And that is, I think, the bottom line is what my my girlfriend and I, what Annie and I talk about a lot is I think the more you learn – um, not just because you're reading books, but because you're having real experiences and practicing in real time and in real life and and putting everything together, you recognize, first of all, how little you actually know. Mm-hmm. And then you also recognize how we're all the same. And you recognize same, 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 Katut. And you also recognize how we're all um we're all one, we're all connected. And you it's very <clears throat> humbling. And there's a lot of humility in being a teacher then because um, you realize that what you're teaching is something that um, – I know you want to say something. Yep. I'm not okay. interrupting Okay. You. Go ahead. Do it. Is this the song? From Titanic. This is the one, right? It, yes, honey. The big one. You know what? Let's play this because her husband passed away this week. I don't like Celine Dion. I mean – I don't have anything against her, but this song is pretty insanely good. Oh my gosh, it's amazing! Like it hits you deep. Yeah, and she's had a tough couple of years. She, she deserves lost our her love. Brother or something? Her husband, honey. That's no, what I but do. she lost her brother too. <gasps> no way! Like three days later. Oh, Celine, sending her love right now. What are they talking about in this song, anyways? <laughs> are you for real? Yeah. You've never listened to words to this song? I can't understand a word she's saying. You're here in my heart, and my heart will go on. If you've watched the movie, you know exactly what she's singing about. It's about Jack and Rose. It is. It's Jack and Rose love theme. As much as I love her uh, words, but this, whatever instrument this is. Yeah. That kind of like Irish, like that Celtic, what is that kind of sound? Yeah, I don't know, but it's it's mysterious and really good. I know. Okay. Sorry. Do you remember that you and I went to see Celine Dion? Yeah, I think I fell asleep, didn't I? You did. You slept. Um, we were in Vegas a couple of years ago back, or maybe it was like more like five years ago. It's but back in the old days. I said, as long as we're here, let's go see Celine. I, I may have fell asleep during Cirque de Soleil. You fell asleep during Celine, too. Yeah. I was tired. Were you? No. Okay, Celine Dion is on the stage, and Big she was whoop. amazing. She was great. I know. I mean, I'm not saying that she's my favorite in the world. I, I just was think- mad because I spent 130 bucks per ticket on that. I know. I know, but and, it's and I didn't stay show. awake for it. I know that's yeah. Well, that's that, why I was mad, not because I I elected to go there. I know, but when were you mad? At myself, like I just like after. Like I take a, tw- a twenty minute nap. If you break that down into dollars per minute, that's like twenty five bucks I just lost. It's an expensive nap. It's, a, it's an expensive <laughs> nap. Usually my naps don't cost anything. And the seat wasn't super comfortable, to be honest. We were all the way up in the back, yeah, we, weren't we, they? We didn't, we didn't buy... See, that's the thing is we got the cheap seats. First of all, you don't need to be close at Yes, that, you do. No, not there. At Caesar's Palace? Not just because somebody's singing. Like the Cirque de Soleil deal. First yeah. of all, I don't like that because I have a hard time saying it. I like the it. way you say it. Cirque de Soleil. Cirque de Soleil. <laughs> Why don't they just call it something else that makes sense? <laughs> Right? Because they're spiritual ego. Yeah, they are being spiritually <laughs> egoic. They want, it for, they want it to be difficult to say so it sounds cool. No, I don't know. I'm I just, just wanted to make sure that you noticed that I did not interrupt you with that song. Thank you. That's our the new, first time I've ever done that. Our new thing is, is Todd puts his hand up when he's going to play something. And so I feel can... like a tool. I'm sitting here with my <laughs> hand up in the air 
waiting for you to break your thought. You're not a tool. It's not a tuma. Don't be strange. Don't be strange. <laughs> we haven't talked about that show either. I know we haven't, but I'm, you know, it's funny. Uh, so we're talking about making a murderer that was on Netflix. And uh, while JC and I were having dinner tonight, um, Dr. Phil was on at, we were at California Pizza Kitchen and it was on up, you know, how they have all the yeah. screens. And Dr. Phil was on and he had on one of the lawyers, he had on the sheriff. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, could, and I couldn't hear what they were saying hmm. because, you know, it was just the wow. screen. There was no like um, closed it's a great, caption. Uh, series for those of you guys who haven't seen it. It is. And I'm interested of what's happening now. I'm not really following it completely, but there's a lot of, people coming out now and saying a totally different story. Yeah. Like Jody. Yeah. Jody, who is... Jody, was, Jody Davis. Do you know who Jody Davis is? I do. He was a catcher for the Cubs. In 1984. Are you impressed that I know that? I am semi-impressed. I know, I know. Um, I was going to say that Jody, who was Stephen Avery's girlfriend when he... Um, went to prison when he was arrested for the second time. Or not went to prison, Don't but when he was arrested. Don't ruin it for people, sweetie. Do you know what I mean? It, saying he was in prison won't give away anything because he was in prison in the first episode. Okay. Um, but she has now come out and said, you know, he's bad, which you just don't know if that's... Investigative reporting by Kathy Adams. <laughs> He's bad. <laughs> well, I don't. I didn't watch the full interview. Yeah. I just saw bits and pieces. Right. Okay. So can I go back to what I was talking about? Got to go back, Kate. We got to go back, Kate. You got to go back. <laughs> yeah. Those are two different things. You just did a lost reference. <laughs> I know. And then that was a. different Our listeners reference. are smart. They pick okay. up on. Hey, before you move on, I want to talk about my second partner. Okay, go ahead. Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. That's Dr. Kelly. Six three zero nine four one eight seven three three. It's the new year. It's time to get adjusted on a monthly basis at least, and keep your nervous system intact. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. It's Dr. Kelly, chirotree.com. All right, so let's finish up this spiritual ego thing. Okay, so this is what I'll say. Part of the reason that Todd and I, or at least this was my reason, I shouldn't speak for you, that I wanted to call our conference the Let's Get Real Conference. Let's get real, real. I want to get real. Which, by the way, get get registered because it's like 50 days away. It's go time. It's so go time. Get your ticket. Quit yeah. waiting. Don't and, be strange. Don't be strange. I keep running into <laughs> these people in town and they're like, I can't wait for your conference. I'm like, are you registered? They're like, no. I'm like, just do it. Yeah. Just do it. Take care of business. Take a dip into the clue bag. <laughs> Take a dip, dip into the Zen Parenting Conference clue bag and get your ticket. Don't be strange. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's go back. As we're talking about spiritual ego, and you're making fun of the people. Uh, which people? You're making fun of the people who say, don't be strange. I am uh, honoring them, yeah. sweetheart. Well, you're not, not making fun of them. We are. That's a really interesting thing to say. Don't be strange. Don't be strange. Okay. So anyway, the other things to think about with spiritual ego is, is sometimes we don't even know when we're kind of in it. That's why it's a trap, and it can sometimes be... You can lose yourself. But a few things. When you start to judge people who you think are less spiritually advanced than you, who you're like, oh, they just don't know what I know, you know you're getting lost in your ego. Because, again, it's one thing to have read a lot of books. It's another thing to has, to have lived certain experiences and made choices based on those experiences or learned lessons and some people do both. They read books. They have their own experiences. That's what I kind of feel like is makes a, a whole person um, or a whole experience or something to share. 
Um, and I'm saying that because a lot of times we look at people and we think they don't know as much as we do, or we look at people or children and we think they're young. What do they know? Here I have so much to teach. And when I when I, I started teaching again this week at Dominican, and when I walk into that classroom at the beginning of every semester, and I look at those kids, and they're not even kids, they're like 19, 20, 21, I know that many of them have had more difficult experiences than I have. You bet. And I know that they've lived in places that I can't even think about. Yeah. And I know lived through lived things. through things that I can't even comprehend. Right. Not all of them, but right. some of them. And that, to me, is something I always make sure I'm, I'm thoughtful about when I start that class because, yeah, I'm there to teach them. I'm the teacher. But, man, they always end up giving me new information. Well, and this is a parenting podcast. Like, we as parents... A lot of times we think we know better than our kids and we're in control of our kids and we dictate to our kids and we modify their behavior accordingly. And to your point, there is some value in leveling that playing field. And that doesn't mean you let your kids walk all over you, but find the lessons in what your kids are saying or what they're doing. You know, the easiest example I always give is, man, the way my daughter walks to school sees rocks, she looks at flowers, she sees things walking to school that I never do. And I think I know better. I don't know anything compared to that little eight-year-old. Well, and again, it's that idea of soul to soul, that when you're with children, when you're with people who are older than you, when you are with your peers, you are not looking at them in, in like a competition of who's better in this situation. It's soul to soul. I see you. You see me. Namaste. That's what that means. I see who you are at the deepest level, and I see you because I understand myself at the deepest level. And so it doesn't – there's no room for judgment in there. And I'm not – and again – this, this is difficult to talk about because, again, the let's get real part is that, of course, we judge sometimes. Yep. And sometimes we always judge. Our brain is always judging. But sometimes we act on judgments. And sometimes we act on a judgment and then we pull it back and recognize what we've done. And as we've talked about on the show, this is not removing judgment from our days because... It's impossible. It's impossible. It is to acknowledge when you're being judgmental. And to not always act on that thought. And not to beat yourself up when you do feel like you're judging because it is part of the normal human condition to discriminate and judge and things like that. That's the way brains work. It's the way brains work. And so we just have to be conscious of that's how they work rather than think what we're thinking is fact, which again is a piece of mindfulness. But here's the last thing I wanted to say about it. A lot of people who have a spiritual awareness kind of wear this mask of excessive positivity. Yeah. You know, like they're constantly, they're, everything is so great. Alec Baldwin from, from, from Friends. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I wish you could find that. Um, what's his name? Parker. That's his name on the show. He's from Massapequa or no, they're going to Massapequa. They're going to, um, Ross and Monica's parents anniversary party. And, Phoebe brings Alec Baldwin, whose name is Parker, on the show as her date. Enthusiastic Parker. He's very, very excited. My God, what a fantastically well-lit hallway. (laughs) Can I um, get you something to drink, like a water and Valium? I must say, you know, this apartment, it's, it's, there are no words. Oh, thank God. It's a haven. The third floor paradise, a modern day Eden in the midst yeah, of the. I know, I know, uh huh. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. Listen, let's, um, why don't we just, um, sit and relax, you know, just be with each other quietly. Yeah. yeah. That sounds great. Uh-huh. My God, this is the most comfortable couch I've ever sat in, in my entire life. 
let's try something else. Let's play a game. I love games. Shocking. <laughs> um, let's play the game of <laughs> who can stay quiet the longest. Or Jenga. Let, let's play this one first. And remember, whoever talks first loses. Yeah. <laughs> I lose, now Jenga. Oh my God, oh my God. Should I keep going? No. That's good. That's in, like, my top five friend episodes. Really? Oh, my gosh. I love Parker. It's not as good as the one with the heads. Um, when they're at the tur uh, Thanksgiving? Tur yeah. When Joey's drooling? Yes. Yes. Or no. Who's Who's got their head up at the top of the door? Is it Joey? I don't know, but I'm a little scared that you do. Um, well, he's just You know whose head's on top and the bottom. And <laughs> Okay, so... In, that is a perfect example of there are certain people that they associate their spirituality with feeling completely happy at all times. And what I think is Alec Baldwin, his character, is there's a there's some sadness Underneath inside of that. Him. Yeah. Well, and I guess that's a whole nother topic. Right. But it's you can be highly spiritual, conscious, and aware mm -hmm. and still have a bad day. Yeah. You can be completely compassionate and loving and empathetic and understanding of yourself in the deepest way and still get pissed off sometimes. Yeah. The excessive positivity where you're like, nothing bothers me, in itself, that that's not completely human. Yeah. And while I am someone who feels good the majority of the time and I'm happy to have life and optimistic. Um, optimistic. And my, my friend Rita, or Rita, who was on last week, she we have she has this thing that she always talks about, you know, I love my life. And I, you know, she's gonna have bracelets at the at the conference that say I love my life mm. and they're awesome and I love I love my life too. But you can love your life and still understand that you're having difficulty in your life. Yeah. And that you had a challenge today or that today was hard or that person was difficult or you didn't handle that well and you can still love your life simultaneously. And I think that's what sometimes people who have that spiritual ego, they think they have to put on a facade and be happy all the time that that demonstrates their depth. And actually, I think that demonstrates um, a – I was going to – I was about to judge. Did you watch that? Did Don't you see be how judging. I was going down the judging Don't trail? be judging. I know. I'm going to try not to do that. Try not, sweetie. So that is a very, like, short intro to what spiritual ego is. And um, like I said, sometimes it's in the world of the work that you and I do where we see it in people. Um, and sometimes it's in ourselves, regardless of what kind of work you do, where you think you're highly enlightened in some way. But actually, you just understand the words and you're not doing the practice. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Speaking of Jeff Bridges, right, dude. He did a uh, master's class, master class, master class on Oprah, and the guy is a rock star. Yeah, he's pretty great. Like, if there's one guy I'd like to just like be my buddy, yeah, your friend, right? He would be way up there. I know. He's the real deal. He's real, and that is why authenticity. You and I watched that. His stories weren't like this. No, his stories were quite boring. They were like basic, basic, but depth. Yeah, like the stories about his wife and and how he his fell in love with his wife. Yeah. Uh. And a lot of people go on there and they tell these like stories of then I had this epiphany and then I he's just like, dude, this is this is how it happened. And that quote that Todd just played, he referred to that a million times. He kept saying, well, the dude abides, the sweetie. dude abides. And that just may be your opinion. Um, that's just your opinion, man. Um, so I want to talk about a listener's question. OK, now. go ahead. Uh, but first, 
Um, one of our partners who just signed up for the Zen Parenting Conference, Zen yes. Gets Real, is HGNA, which Yay. stands for? Helping Girls Navigate Adolescence. Um, they were on our show. They were. Yes. I should find out what that show was. HGNA challenges the negative images and information bombarding girls today while offering support and education to their parents. And they there is a book, Elements for Girls, which is the book we used with our BU girls, or we ended up giving it to them at the end. And um, it's fantastic for adolescent girls. Yep. Um, so we are so proud to have HGNA being a partner, a partner of our uh, conference because we are so in alignment with their message. That's right. Yeah. And we did have Mary Ellen and Sandra on, and I'm trying to pull up the um, the episode right now, so bear with me. Okay. Yeah, I can't find it. We'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Um, so anyways, I just wanted to highlight them. All right. So this is kind of a deep question, sweetie. All right. Are you ready for some depth? Sure. This is from actually a friend of mine. He emailed this to me. We are okay. hitting that phase of life over here where my 16-year-old daughter is wanting to go to parties on the weekend with her classmates. Okay. It's clear that pot is available, which brings up the usual fear parents have for their children that surrounds this item at this age. I had the opportunity and took it yesterday to segue into a nice father-daughter conversation on the topic and was able to express my fears and share some experiences from my life regarding poor choices and potential dangers that come with experimenting with illegal substances. I feel it will be impossible to keep her from trying pot eventually, so I approach the conversation more from a center of equipping her to be in touch with herself, to make good choices for herself when in these social situations that involve peer pressure. Anyways, I felt insecure in how equipped I was to deal with this topic, and I thought I would reach out for some advice from you guys today. I imagine you touched on this topic over the years perhaps on a podcast or one of your local discussions. If you have any words of wisdom, please share it. Since then, he sent me one other email. Okay. It's like a follow-up. Okay. As a brief follow-up, I did allow my daughter to go to that party. She came home last night and shared with my wife who picked her up that she had partaken of the herb. Okay. I plan on checking in with her on her experience, decision-making, and how she felt in the context within the party. I will follow up with you on how my decision as a parent on this topic has affected my relationship with my daughter, both pros and cons. So far, it's feeling very positive and has deepened our trust of each other, her sense of responsibility for her safety, our open communication, and ability for her to share with me. Wow. So first of all, this is touchy. Okay. Talking about, you know, not endorsing, but allowing a father saying, yeah, if you choose to do this, I think a lot of parents would approach this as you don't have permission to do pot and, and don't even think about doing it. And just, it's not allowed. Right. He took the other way and saying, listen, I can't tell you what to do and what not to do. You're 16 years old. This is going to be available at parties you go to. I just want you to share my feelings on, I want you to share my feelings. I, I want to share my feelings okay. on the pros and cons of this. I think this is a highly evolved response. I don't know if I would have the guts to approach it the same way he did, but I think he's right when he says that it's a positive experience between he and his daughter because his daughter's not going to be lying and and pretending. Like, it's open line of communication. Right. I'd, I'd, 
you know, you keep saying to me, this is touchy and I don't think so it is. So you think that when our daughters are at this age that we're going to have an open communication about... But what you're, what you're making the I, assumption is, is that because he talked to her about it, he was allowing her to do it. That's not what he's doing at all. What he's saying is, here's my experiences with it. Here's my fear around it. Here's what I know you're going to be exposed to. I want you to know. He's not saying, so when you go do it. He's saying... But they're going to have a discussion about it soon about... That's because she came home and said that she had tried it. And so now they have the opportunity to talk about, but in no way, shape, or form did he ever say, I'm giving you permission. It's... You are... But I wonder what the follow-up conversation is going to be like, because is he going to say, you're grounded? Well, I don't think so. Well, let's put... What if this were us? Well, of course not. I mean, you're asking me as if we haven't talked about this a million times. Would would grounding make a change in this behavior? Would we say, I really hope you don't do this again? Well, I don't know. I'm not in that position right now. But what I know is that, you know, I can't even give a hypothetical because he's got a specific setup situation right. where he's about to have a conversation right. where we're not in that. Right. What I know for sure is that as my daughters get older and they're exposed to things like alcohol, like drugs, like sexuality, like sex or just their own sexuality, absolutely we have conversations about it. And talking to them about things like sex is not permission. Telling them about drugs and the effects of them and explaining it to them is not permission. And, you know, talking to them about what it means to be drunk and what it feels like is not saying they can drink. Mm -hmm. You're just offering information because what I know for sure is this is in this is when it comes to grades this is when it comes to friends the more you try and control and choke and cut off right. a child's ability to talk about things to communicate about things and if you think telling them what to do will create an adverse relationship it will cut them off from you right so it's a very different thing to say that permission was given yeah versus a conversation was created right because we cannot be with our children all the time. Right. All that we can do, because he's like, okay, I let her go to the party, and so she tried it. Kids don't have to go to a party to try pot. Right. They could be in someone's basement on a Tuesday at four. Yeah. My point is, is that it's not the party. Yeah. That's the problem. It's a child's own sense of needing to rebel. Right. Or curiosity that has never been acknowledged or needing to fit in. There's all sorts of things. Yeah, I think the tricky part is, I think you're right. The the conversation does not equate to permission. No, not at all. But I, but I, can you at least give me the, get, grant me the point that the more open the communication is, the more likely it is that they will do that thing or no? No. And it's interesting that you're saying that because we talk about... I think the more normal we make, oh, well, this was my experience with pot. I think the more normal you make it, I, I'm i being honest. Okay. I, I feel like that a kid will think, well, then, then it's okay. Okay. So what you're talking about is the experiences he shared with her. Yeah. He talked about the pros and cons about his own experiences. Okay. Um, well... I'm not saying what he did was right or wrong. I think it's an outstanding topic that mo- most parents will struggle with so at some point. So you think because he said, I did this and here was my positive and negative experiences that there's some 
form of consent because he himself yes, yes, did it. Yes, yes. Okay. That's where I'm going. I think that that is tricky. And again, it's different with, you know, every person in, in the relationship with their child because we also drink in front of our children. True. Not only do we sometimes drink in front of our kids, but maybe we swear or, um, you know, watch rated R movies or, you know, things that we don't necessarily say that we're consenting to, but we have experiences as adults. Now, I'm not saying that it's okay to do the do as I say, not as I do thing. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is that I think the way that I would approach it with our girls is if they ask me questions, I'm going to be as honest as I can be. I don't plan on saying, hey, sit down and I'm going to tell you every sexual experience I've ever had or sit down and I'm going to tell you every experience I've had with drugs. But if we are having a conversation and they ask me a question, I will be as age appropriate, as uh child developmentally responsible right. <laughs> as I can be in being honest, yeah. you know, um, because I think the whole idea of um, this is bad, I would never do this, I'm against this, but then you had a whole history of, you know, say smoking pot or something is disingenuous. Right. So there's got to be something in the middle there where you're able to share of yourself and maybe not give every detail. Yeah. Um, because well, and that middle part is, I think, the tricky part and there is no hard and fast rules no. to it you're what you're saying is you have to once again trust your gut and listen to and i think you know something that i've been thinking about i'm gonna t i i'm we're you know you and i are talking at the conference a lot and one thing that i was thinking i'd talk about is the whole idea of improvisation is that kind of parenting is a lot like improvisation yeah. is that uh, if somebody said okay we have an improv act in four years from now and we might talk about these topics and we're not sure where it's going to go okay go what yeah. would you say we can't we can't play that game right I don't know how I would talk to my daughter about these things because it would depend on the circumstances how how trustworthy she is mm -hmm. um, the choices she had made the day before the choices yeah she had there's made. so many there's variables. So many variables but what you can predict is the intention or the energy that you're going to want to bring to a conversation like that. Which is compassion. Right. Yeah. And that's some of the things that you've already talked exactly. about is honesty with, uh, with, with common sense. Common sense, yeah. Um, you know, intention of open lines of communication, um, not uh, prohibition mm -hmm. of... You know, don't you dare think about this because that parenting style, we can we can say right now that the whole idea is do as I say, not as I do, or don't you dare do this or that. You're closing off. Well, and I think anybody who listens to this show knows that that's not the way, you know, like when you said would, and I know you didn't mean this literally, but like, would we then ground them? W when do we ground the kids? Like the grounding is not a, an effective, there's a difference. Again, let me say this. It's one thing to say your child comes home and they say, hey, there's always drugs at this certain house. Well, you're probably not going to be going to that house anymore. But me saying, you mean you were in that house? You're grounded. You're stuck upstairs for two weeks. How is that, you know, to say the consequence of, of that experience is that you can't go to that house anymore is one thing. Right. But to say now I don't trust you, I'm grounding right. you, I'm putting you in your room, that's a disconnect. Yes. There's nothing to be learned from that. And that is the essence of... The, um, the consciousness, the Consci tricky part of that situation, because what you just said is very important is, you know, natural consequences. Well, you're not going to that house anymore, right. but it's not go up to your room and feel shameful. 
Right. Right. It's not because every time I hear like you're grounded or go do a timeout or, you know, go away or whatever, there's a shutting down of the communication Mm. where it's, I can't even tolerate being with you right now. Mm. So basically the message that your toddler, your pre-adolescent kid, your teenager is getting is when you do something wrong, I can't tolerate you. I don't want you around. I don't want to look at you. Get out of my face. So what is the message that that is Yeah, go be by yourself and feel bad about yourself. And then they know that when they make poor choices, you are not the person to Mm. go to because you can't tolerate it. Even though that is an old model, we can all think of times that our parents did that to us. And we may have those experiences when we're not being highly conscious of where we're like, I'm so overwhelmed to get out of my face. We've all done that in one way or another, hopefully more respectful than the way I just said it. Um, But what I mean is, is that if that is our go-to, then we're just slowly chopping away yeah. at that line of communication. Well, withdraw- emotional withdrawal. You know, we talk about the emotional bank account. It's just constant withdrawals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. that's what that is. When you say you're grounded, that's a withdrawal. If you say you're grounded, go up to your room. I don't want to talk to you. If you say, and again, we have to be very careful about this so people understand. If you say, you know, last night you didn't make a good choice. So tonight I think we're just going to hang in. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we'll watch a movie together, but last night you broke some trust. Yeah. So tonight you're not going out. That feels a lot different than even your- though the um, the end result of where that kid is that night. Yes, is, is the, the same. same. Yes, because and, and what you're saying is not just say what you say, but how you say it. How you say it and why you say it. Is it is and it why? A, yeah. Because the grounding, go up to your room, you can't go out is fear. Yeah. I can't trust you. I don't know what you're doing. I don't trust anybody. You're gonna make poor choices versus let me support you, let me help you. And one thing we're gonna do is take a break here. Yeah. We're gonna take a breather tonight. Yeah. And you and I are gonna stay in. Yeah. And you know, that's a very different feeling thing. And so, like you said, the result may be the same on this on paper. Yeah. But the the intention How you behind go about it. Yeah. it, and that's what the kids feel yeah. is not necessarily that they they're stuck in their bedroom or they're stuck at home. Is how did you make them feel? Did I disconnect or did I connect even Correct. more? Yeah. Right. All right. So long show. So a few things. iTunes reviews. We got a few of them. Okay. Uh, this comes from My Life Matters. Oh, I like that. And he or she is from the USA. If I could give it more stars, I would. Zen Parenting Radio has transformed my life. Nice. Todd and Kathy are real and practical and have helped me gain self-awareness, which has in turn changed every relationship I have for the better. Please don't ever stop what you are doing. You are transforming lives every day. Thank you. Signed, whoever that was. And you are transforming your life, but I'm glad that we're part of your... We'll be like a vehicle. Part of your team. You're the one transforming your life, not us. You're doing it. Uh, And then the other one comes from practical... Practical life hacks for adults. I don't understand what that means, hacks, life hacks. Life hacks, like ways to um, to make shifts, like uh, simple changes. Great podcast for adults looking to enrich their emotional intelligence and practice daily mindfulness. The hosts are sincere, knowledgeable, and comical. They present useful life hacks and discuss a variety of topics on just being a better human. Thank you. Sweetie, we're funny like a clown. What, am I a clown? Didn't you see a Ray Liotta interview or listen to one? I did. I listened to Ray Liotta be interviewed. Which podcast? It was uh, Fresh Air. It was Terry Gross with Ray Liotta. And what's the website you just told me to check out last night? Love, love everybody loves? Love what matters. Love. It's not a website. It's a Facebook page. It's a Facebook page. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's called Love What Matters though, is it? I don't know. 
I thought it was something like that. It's something like that. Um, all I know is that on that page, they share a lot of real uh, stories about people who experience kindness. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Love what matters. kindness. Practice on, kindness. On the top, it says love always wins. Of course it does. So there's a resource for you. Like the Love What Matters Facebook page. Yes, and listen to the Ray Liotta NPR interview. That's right. Actually, you don't have to do that, but it is good. Um, sweetie, don't forget our, about our last partner, Jeremy Craft from Avid Company. Yes. If you have a basement or a kitchen, he's big into basements and kitchens. I know. And he's a bald-headed beauty. He is. He was just here, and I told him you keep calling him that on the show. He is a bald-headed beauty. I know. It made him laugh really hard. It should be on his business card. I'm a bald-headed beauty. <laughs> 1800 My words of wisdom for the week is keep trucking. Honk, honk. Words of wisdom it would be are, wait, my words of wisdom for the week are keep trucking. You said is keep trucking. Just keep trucking, man. Is that my spiritual ego coming out? Yeah, easy ego. Judging? Spiritual, you judger. <laughs> See you guys on Friday. Dan Martinez. It's going to be a great interview. Adios. That's our show, friends. We hope you felt outstanding. And if you want to continue feeling this outstanding, go to zenparentingradio.com and subscribe to the podcast. You can also subscribe via iTunes, and while you're there, feel free to give us a kind review. You can email us at comments at zenparentingradio.com, or you can record a voicemail by clicking on the Send Us a Voice Message link on our homepage with comments or questions. Don't forget, our Zen Parenting Conference is on March 11th and 12th, 2016. For more details, go to zengetsreal.com. If you're interested in any of Kathy's three award-winning books, you can purchase through our website or through Amazon. We also do local presentations, virtual retreats, and movie screenings, which can be found by clicking on the events tab on our webpage. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. If you're interested in the tribe, the monthly men's group that I co-facilitate, you can go to tribemensgroup.com for more details. Lastly, and most importantly, a special thanks to our three partners, Avid Company, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, and John J. Kelly Dentistry. If you own a business and are interested in partnering with us, please send me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com. Finally, we're grateful for your support and encouragement. We only ask that you give the same to yourself and the people you love most. Until next time.